Well, hello and welcome to this next talk in our series on Philippians. I hope you've been enjoying it. Uh, it's lovely to have a variety of speakers and to go through the whole book systematically to really think about it. And uh, Josh gave us a great talk last time when he uh, discussed the first half of Philippians chapter three and explained very clearly something that's tremendously important in Paul's thinking, which is that uh, Christianity is so different from all forms of religion where it's about obeying rules and regulations, trying to find favor with God. There's just something amazing that Christ did on the cross. That means that we are justified by faith alone. We are given God's righteousness as believers. So that's a wonderful truth that is one of the things that came out of the last talk. And the last verses actually in the last talk are really important because they lead into my talk today, which is about being citizens of heaven. So I'm going to just go back a little bit into um, the last verses, just read a couple of things just by way of introduction. First of all, that famous verse in Philippians 3 verse 10, uh, which uh, is a wonderful verse. I remember memorizing this as a youngster, actually, and I've thought about it many times. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, verse 11, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul's passion was to know Christ, not in the sense of I now know that he's my saviour, but to know more and more about him, to have a more intimate sense of connection to Jesus Christ as he lived his whole Christian life. And it's an amazing thing for him to say, given that he's uh, probably in his 50s or 60s now, right at the end of his ministry, with massive Christian experience, and seen Jesus working in power through his Holy Spirit in hundreds of different situations. Yet he says, I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, and joining with him in his sufferings. I think that's a, a great start to what we're gonna think about today because we see the fire of devotion to Jesus burning in Paul even at, uh, at the last period of his life. I think that's a wonderful um, example for us. And then he goes on to say in verses 12 to 14, which introduced directly the key theme of the uh, beginning of the passage we're going to look at. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is a really important concept and analogy for us to understand. So Paul likens our Christian journey to a race or a, a marathon or a long distance run. And he's coming near the end of that uh, race. You know, he's been going for a long time. He's been running for a long time and he's near the end, but he, he doesn't want to pause or step back. He wants to press ahead and get over the finishing line, which is the moment when he dies and goes to be with Christ. Now, what's the prize? Is the prize that you came first, you win the gold medal? Uh, no, that's not the prize. It's not the prize um, of salvation. That prize has already been assured us through 
the salvation given to us through Jesus Christ, the righteousness given to us, which Josh spoke about last time. No, the prize is the sense of completion of all the things that we're called to do and the sense of affirmation from God himself, from Jesus Christ, when we cross over from this life into the next. And in the Gospels, there's a, a moment when Jesus, in one of his parables, described it as uh, someone saying to a servant who's worked for him, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's what Paul wanted for himself. Let me just use an experience from my own life to illustrate this. Now, earlier on this year before lockdown, I participated for the first time ever, actually, in a 10K running race. Most of you know that I jog regularly. I'm not a great runner. I'm not that fast, actually. I never have been, never won a race in my life. But I enjoy running, keeps me fit and keeps me focused. But I haven't really run in any competitive races very much, uh, very occasionally, never in a 10K. So when I went to this run, my goal wasn't to win it. In fact, if my goal had been to win it, it would have been ridiculous. Uh, there were hundreds and hundreds of people who came in well ahead of me, as well as hundreds of people who came behind me. I was right there in the middle. Uh, I wasn't trying to win it. I wanted to complete it, to get over the line, not to stumble, not to stop, to do myself justice. And as I got over the line, I wasn't thinking, you know, what time have I made? Have I won the race? Am I going to get a prize? None of those things were in my mind at all. I just want to complete the task before me and to receive the affirmation of people who were involved in that task, which was a few friends who were, I was running with. And I met a couple as I got over the starting line, uh, finishing line. I was really exhausted. And they said, well done. And there were some family members there and some other runners I caught up with. And then I got home and told Jane all about it. And, and everyone said, you know, well done. You, you, you've done what you set out to do. And in a sense, that's a little bit like this race. It's not about winning or competition with anyone else. It's about you doing the thing you're called to do, running your race at your speed to your destined conclusion, which is the moment that you enter into eternal life. And Paul basically says here, don't look behind, look forward. Now that's part of last week's passage, but it's important to go back to it because it sets a scene very precisely for what Paul is going to say in the, in the first few verses. This is a really striking passage, verses 15 to 17 of Philippians 3. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So he says, you've got to think and act like me. So I'm, Paul says, I, I think of myself in this race and I've got to get to the finishing line. You should think of yourself like that. In other words, it's not just about the superstars. It's not just about the church leaders. It's not about the apostles, the missionaries, the pastors, the full-timers. Paul says to the whole church, if you're mature Christian, you're going to think like me. In other words, you're going to view your life like I do as a journey or a race where you're running along, walking along, and you want to get to the 
destination you want to get as far as you need you should get in the time that you've got and get over that finishing line that's how we should think which means forgetting what is behind and looking forward now this is important so Paul says that about himself but it applies to you and me as well so how do we what do we need to forget about we need to lay aside the wasted time the disappointments even the successes the tragedies the personal failures on our path path part that mean that you know our life didn't our spiritual life and our life with Christ didn't go that well for a period of time Paul says put it behind you don't let it control you what matters is what's in front of you you may have been really successful as a Christian in the past you may have had a very complicated experience you may have had a lot of suffering you may have felt that you failed yourself Paul says don't condemn yourself don't look back look forward now Paul had decades of success stories and miracles to look back on he could have sat back there and think well I'll retire now I'll just look back write my memoirs but no he said I'm looking forward how many years have I got left what can I do with them how can I invest them I'm in my early 60s but my key thinking is how can I invest the time I've got for the benefits of the kingdom of God let us live up to what we've already attained verse 16 that basically means consistency matters you know one of the most beautiful and wonderful things about mature Christians is consistency over time they're following their convictions as thoroughly now as they were 10 years ago or 20 years ago don't you find that an attractive characteristic in fellow Christians isn't it disappointing to to see people who are really zealous and strong 10 years ago and now they've gone off the track or gone off the boil one thing that really builds strong churches is consistency over time so I want to encourage you many of you have been very consistent over time maybe people didn't really notice it but here it is in, in the scriptures and I want to encourage you thank you for your consistency over time and Paul says in verse 17 uh, that you should follow my example or keep your eyes on those who live as we do in other words it's not just Paul's example but Paul says look around for people who can be an example to you there in Philippi in the church you obviously the people they can relate to are only the people they know they can't travel around like Paul does they know their local situation so an interesting question for us is who are role models or examples I've always tried to develop my spiritual life by having role models and examples in front of me it might be people locally it might be people nationally it might be people internationally it might be people I know well might be people I view online it might be people I view from a distance it's various different people over the eras but I've always found role models really really helpful to stimulate me to think how should I live my life now you I encourage you to think about this this might be a discipler or a mentor in a formal sense it might be someone you view a little bit more from a distance or you have occasional contact with who just stirs you up in a really positive way it might be someone you view online and I want to tell you a personal story I've had a role model for almost my entire Christian life uh, of someone who stimulated me 
profoundly as a young man to think about the strategic value of uh, in-depth uh, and relevant and carefully applied Bible teaching. And he was a pastor in a previous generation. Some of you will have heard of him, some of you won't. His name is David Pawson. He was a Baptist minister. And my wife Jane heard him speak when he was a minister in the 1970s while she was at school nearby. She used to go to his meetings. Shortly after that, I heard him uh, on, on uh, recordings and got very, very interested in his passion for the Bible and Bible teaching. He became very, very well known. And all the way through my life, I keep thinking about him and thinking I want to be more like him in my um, capacities to deliver the message. I, I don't teach exactly the same things that he does, um, but it just inspired me all the way along. And his love for the Bible, his love for, for explaining it clearly to people. That's just a personal example. Well, he died recently, age 90. And that had a big effect on me because I thought, well, a role model has passed from now and, and to glory. So who are your role, role models? In a small or a big way, a role model in motherhood, uh, in fatherhood, a role model in financial giving, in worship leading, in quality of witness in their work life, in personal development, in evangelism. It could be a role model in anything really, the things that are important for you in your personality, your gifts, your stage of life. That's what matters. And Paul said, um, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So I'd encourage you, keep your eyes on the people who are your role models. It's amazing how much they influence you at a kind of subconscious level as well as through conscious process or contact with them. Paul then moves on to make a big contrast. Verses 18 and 19. For as I've often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Here's the contrast. Paul is deliberately setting up a contrast here between the Christian life, very purposeful, with a clear destiny at the end, which we're going to come to in a moment more clearly, with focus, with salvation, with grace, with forgiveness, with faith. And to, the comparison with, is with those who he describes as enemies of the cross of Christ. Notice he says he's, he tells them with tears. It makes him emotional to think of the tragedy, of the loss of people that he puts in this category. He uses slightly rhetorical language here. Their destiny is destruction, the destruction of their lives. Everything they've achieved will be washed away. Their God is their stomach. That's really not talking just about eating. That's a slightly rhetorical phrase. It's really talking about a personal satisfaction being at the heart of what they go for in life, like somebody for whom food is an all-consuming reality. Their glory is in their shame. So they are proud of the things that actually should make them ashamed, proud of being a self-made man, proud of being incredibly rich, 
proud of human achievements, proud of uh, everything that points to their importance as a person. Things that should make them shameful because those aren't the things to be proud of in this life. Their mind, says Paul, is on earthly things. And he gives this vivid description with a slight rhetorical flourish here in order to make the comparison and land his main point, which is the climax of this passage and the theme that we've chosen. And it comes in verse 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven. For we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So Paul's analogy of this race and this goal, getting to the finishing line, getting the prize, is closely connected to his view of his earthly life, that it is a life in transit, We're on a journey somewhere else. This isn't the destination. Our mind is not on earthly things. We're not trying to get all our meaning in life from our experience now. This is a training ground. This is a mission field. This is a place to glorify God in a complex and painful world. But our citizenship, says Paul, is in heaven. I thought about my citizenship a few days ago because... I've just had to renew my passport because 10 years had expired. So I went to the post office and I've posted my old passport to the office, the passport office with all the documentation and the photos. Bit of a shock having a photo 10 years older than the last one. I wonder if you've had that experience. And and I thought about citizenship and I thought about being separated from my passport. I don't find that a very comfortable experience. And that's my experience as I'm speaking to you now, because it's still over there with them. I haven't had a new passport come back. And I realize how much I value my citizenship here in the UK. I consider it an incredible privilege to be a citizen here when I consider the world around us. And that passport is the symbol and the assurance that I'm a citizen here. But Paul says that pales into insignificance compared with the fundamental marker and identity in our spirits that our citizenship is in heaven. We have, metaphorically speaking, a passport, the gospel and our faith in Christ and the righteousness that we've been given through Christ that enables us at the end of our lives to enter into that glory and into that world which far exceeds in excitement and interest and variety and physicality and joy anything we can get in this world. That's where our citizenship is. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, he says. Paul says, I can't wait for Jesus to come back. He's my saviour. Come back, Jesus. Come, let's have the second coming. It didn't happen in his lifetime. He's waiting for that kingdom to come. 
who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So Paul brings in here the belief, the Christian belief, the fundamental Christian belief that our eternal life, our citizenship in heaven is also associated with the resurrection of our body, a doctrine that is expanded by Paul elsewhere, notably in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And many of these themes, by the way, about the future, we covered in our series, didn't we? Understanding the future, which I delivered with a guest speaker from uh, David Oliver joining us on one occasion uh, right at the beginning of this year. You may want to go back over some of the, those talks, which, which uh, bring out a lot more detail on some of these incredible things that are compressed into these very short verses here uh, in this passage. But this is a perspective Paul wants. So you're running a race. As we come to, to the conclusion of this talk, you're running a race. I'm running a race. We're not trying to win the prize of being the gold medalist or on the podium. Uh, it's not that kind of a race. It's a race where what matters is finishing and keeping running at the speed that you can run. And some of you run faster than others. I discovered that in every race I'm in. There's always people way ahead of me. There's always people way behind me. There's always people plodding along next to me and they're still there 10K later and they're not far distant from where they were before. We're all running at a different race, a different pace, but we're all running the same race. And Paul wants us to not be too influenced by the things that have gone in the past, especially the things that have knocked us. So I really want to make an application here and to invite you to allow the Holy Spirit to help you with this one. Have you been knocked by things, setbacks, external, or things that you caused, or things that were just very complicated, things in your family, things in the church, things in your work, things in your life, your health, finances? There's so many things it could be. Don't let them hold you back. Look ahead of you. Your life may be long, many decades ahead of you, it may be short, but the time ahead of you really matters. And your destiny is heaven, a citizenship in heaven. Um, but Paul wants, you, wants us not to hang around and wait for that destiny, but to invest our lives very, very fully in the sure hope that our citizenship is in heaven. He's motivating people to live life to the full and to live life for the kingdom of God. It really is fascinating to think that Paul was saying all these things in what could have been the very last phase of his life. His life was very much in danger uh, for the reason that we've stated all the way through this series. He's in prison. He's coming up for trial. He's coming up for trial in the imperial court in Rome. They could bring about an order of execution. They could keep him in prison for the rest of his life. And yet, he was looking forward to fruitful service, to knowing Christ, to invest his life effectively. So for many of us, we will have taken lots of knocks in the last few months. There are many reasons why that could have happened in our current crisis, or many knocks relating to life in general and other unrelated circumstances. 
But keep pressing on. Keep your focus. Keep running the race. And keep looking forward. God's forgiven the things that we've done wrong in the past if we've brought them to him. And there's an opportunity now to invest for the future. If you're not sure of your faith, this is a time to to realise that you stand between two worlds. This world where your mind might be on earthly things or your mind might be on an eternal reality that's far greater. So if you're not sure of your faith, can I encourage you to investigate this, this amazing Christian faith, this amazing Jesus Christ, this amazing message he came to bring, which was that he died for our sins so that we could be forgiven, live a new life with a new purpose and meaning. Thanks for listening today and I hope you continue to enjoy the Philippians series. There's a few more to come, some great material ahead of us and thanks for listening today and I hope you enjoyed the worship earlier on if you were with us for that and uh, see you again soon.